Hey guys, today on the Leadership to Wealth podcast, our guest, you know, he really talks about how he fell into or backed into real estate and how he's been in real estate investing for many years, just consistently growing. He really tries to help people because he teaches as well how to get into real estate, how to choose a way that works for you and getting through the different areas of your life when things can go bad and how to keep investing through the through the bad times and making sure that you're building up your portfolio, not just standing around watching. Our guest today, Andy Heller. Andy Heller. Andy, welcome to the show. Neil, thank you for having me as a guest and looking forward to it. Okay, so Andy, I've just got to start off. I've got, I really have uh, two pet peeves. And uh, and those two pet peeves are everybody these days wants to be some sort of life coach or something like that. And the other one is everybody thinks that they can write a real estate book. And uh, and so I got to tell you, because you've, you've done both of those things. I, I don't know. What do you what do you say to that? Because um, I don't know how to get around this industry where everybody thinks that they can be one of those things. Well, here's my comment to that, Neil. Okay. I can't speak for everybody else. I can speak for myself. And yes. um, I grew up uh, in a family where we ate humble pie at dinner. So I'm not that guy that's high on himself. Whatever. I'm. I'm. I typically. When I teach real estate, I tell people I'm not a full-time investor. I've got other businesses and I actually think it's healthy to approach this as a supplement. Many, most people who seek to be full-time investors, they fail. So it's all about balance. It's all about um, uh, setting goals that are achievable. Um, and my story is probably as different as any guests you've ever had. Um, you know, I was a closet real estate investor for many, many <laughs> years. And okay. um, most of my close friends did not know I was an investor, Neil. I, um, they thought it was weird. We'd, we'd have a soccer game. I played competitive soccer for years and on Sunday, and I would scurry away. I wouldn't go out with the team for lunch. Why? I was going to show a property. Um, okay. And we came out of the closet, per se, <laughs> um, in the early 2000s on a whim. We saw all these other real estate books. And um, uh, I just said to my real estate partner one day, why don't we write a book? I mean, I think we got a really special model here. We wrote a book on a whim, Neil. And okay. it's, it's, the story is like, it's going to like, you're going to hear it like, this can't be true. But I, this is exactly how it played out. So we write this book. And we talk about, hey, we're part-time investors, but I've bought more properties part-time than some full-time investors. So I'll qualify that. Right. And about six months after launching our first book, and it's shooting up Amazon, um, we get a call from our publisher and said, okay, Andy, are you sitting down? I said, yeah. Fortune Magazine is, it wants to interview you and your partner. <laughs> and i like, wow. Okay. So, so we had this interview and a couple of months later, our book gets featured by Fortune Magazine among the top five resources for real estate investors in an yeah. issue that profiled real estate strategies. Okay. Yes. So yes. you see all these gurus that travel around the country and teach. Yeah. Um, many of them are professional speakers. They haven't bought a property in a decade. 
My right. story is so different. So I got phone calls from these real estate groups around the country. Hey, we got we saw this magazine profile of your book. Will you come in and 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 talk about your your model? So I started to travel. I got up on stage and and I would give an outline of our model and the, and they would say, "Well, don't you have a kit? We this book doesn't have enough detail. There's no intellectual property." So then we created a kit on how to do this our business. We Work yeah. for a year to collect and organize all of our intellectual property. Yes. So the the book on me as a real estate educator is so different than a lot of these other guys. Um, I got into this business backwards, <laughs> um, and you know I get up on stage and I I say and I teach people. Look, I, I'm not I'm not I'm going to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm I'm a I have other successful businesses. Yeah. Um, I bought real estate. I've done great with real estate. We wrote a second book that was critically reviewed. Um, and I'm going to teach you a great conservative real estate investment model that if you follow this, you can build a lot of wealth. It can be full time. doesn't have to be full time. And actually, if you have your own business, if you have a day job, it can work great with real estate because you can use the funding of your stable day job to get good financing. For your real estate so yes i kind of condensed my story in like two or three minutes but that's that's how i got started as a as an educator we wrote a book on a whim and yeah. um it just shot up amazon and one day we pop up in fortune magazine <laughs> <laughs> okay look we're gonna come back to that because i've got a ton of questions there <laughs> and life coach at the same time did you fall into that one backwards too well, I, I wouldn't say I'm so I'm I'm a life coach. I I, okay. I coach on real estate, and yeah. I also uh, completely separate topic. Uh, Neil, I had a challenge in divorce about eight mm -hmm. years ago, and I actually wrote a book recently on divorce. And I do coach some people around that, but it's not the dominant part mm -hmm. of my my business. My uh, when mm -hmm. I uh, one of my businesses is I teach real estate around the country. And yeah. I do some coach some students. Yeah. But again, this is a compliment, I hope, to our model. Many people get our kit and say, I'm gonna call you. I wanna, I'm gonna hire you as a coach. Yeah. And they say, I don't need you. Your kit, your kit gives us what we need, and I'm just gonna run with it. That's great. Yeah. So so why the the side talking about you know the challenges with family and that? Why why add that in? Why write a book on that? Well, this was never part of my master plan, and it is not a new business. I'll just be really clear. Um, for me personally, Neil, when I get stressed, everybody has a coping mechanism when they stress. If, you're, if your audience is largely entrepreneurs, one of the best advice I can give you is you need a coping mechanism for stress. Okay? My yeah. own personal coping mechanism is I start to write and take notes. When my mom was in hospice years ago, I started to write notes. Half my notes became her eulogy and half my notes became an article that got covered in five newspapers in the Mother's Day after she passed. So I'm going through this nasty and challenging divorce. I'm writing all this stuff down. I'm reading all these other books. Mm -hmm. And after about two years later, I looked at my notes like, oh, my God, all these books are written by divorce attorneys and, and co-parent counselors. And, and some of these books were not bad, but yeah. um, there was something missing. So I looked at my notes. I'm like, oh, my God, this is an outline for a great book. And I just launched this book on 
basically how to get through divorce in a manner that, um, and I'm an entrepreneur, uh, you've got to be able to do this in a manner that you can um, manage your business while getting your family life into a landing spot where you're healthy, your kids are healthy, and you've got also a mechanism to co-parent with your ex. And it wasn't easy. So my book was different in that um, it's organized like a businessman by as a, as a business plan uh, yes. of uh, uh, how to get through a divorce. Uh, and from the, so from uh, the standpoint of a businessman where I, I interviewed all these experts and I organized all their, their counsel into like um, a business plan for getting through a divorce in a healthy manner. So it's a very different, um, so, and this is not a business. Um, this is just something that I felt I needed to do because mine yeah. was really challenging and yeah. kind of like, I know it's going to be corny, but it's paying it forward a bit. <laughs> well, um, forgive me for, if I'm being a little harsh here, if, if you wrote a book and structured out how to get through a divorce, I can I can only imagine some of the difficulties that your your wife might have faced if you created a spreadsheet every time. Having said that, I <laughs> oh my god, you're hysterical. Um, you know what? We're, we won't we won't get into it. We but won't go I, I yeah, but you know what? I, I can only imagine because um, you know we as men it it I mean I've been married for almost twenty one years and. One of the things you realize is as you go along, the ways that you think and the ways that you try to communicate and and there's just this continual battle until you start realizing that there's differences in communication and uh, so, so many different aspects to any relationship, much less that that one between uh, spouse, right? Spouses. So um I can say that I've had a lot of frustrating times and I probably would have loved to have had some sort of breakdown on how to go through all of that stuff. Now I get it that it's really focused around, um, around how to make it through a divorce, but come on, let's be honest as guys, it would be great if we could have a, have a spreadsheet for how do I make it through this fight? How do I make it through this argument? How do I, uh, get her to pick a restaurant. So <laughs> yeah, all, well. all sorts of things. But let me let me jump back over to the real estate side. You, you know, you kept this all hush. You were doing what you were doing in real estate. How did you even get an interest to start well, doing something? Uh, it, it's it's I grew up in a family where dad was a doctor, yes. but not particularly uh, financially like a lot of, lot of, lot of doctors, he was a scientist and he wasn't great with, with, you know, managing money or whatever, and yeah. very conservative. And I looked at, I figured out at a pretty young age, okay, if I, if I take 5,000 bucks and I invested in stocks and it does great, five years later, I might have 7,500 or even 8,500. That's a yes. success. But the same 5,000 leveraged can buy an asset that's worth a hundred or 150 that asset appreciates by 25%, all of a sudden I've turned that 5,000 into 30. Yes. So based on my limited funds coming out of college, I figured real estate was the one vehicle that I could leverage a small amount of money and, and really build some wealth. So that was my goal and I decided to start young. 
And that's why I, cho I chose real estate. And I, um, I was fortunate to meet a, my real estate partner, Scott. His story is fascinating, uh, Neil. He's, uh, he's a kid in college, and his dad was killed tragically in a car accident had two younger siblings and his dad had bought some like crappy little like low end homes in Atlanta. So this guy's managing a portfolio of homes from his dorm phone. Hysterical. Uh, his, his roommate at his bachelor party was telling me, you know, it's a good thing he was a nice guy because I got phone calls at 3 a.m. that not a lot of roommates had to deal with. So, um, so Scott had a bit of experience, um, but no time. I had time, energy, um, good credit so I could acquire some loans on, on, my, on my balance sheet. Um, so we formed a very symbiotic partnership. And a lot of you entrepreneurs, you look at partners, the one piece of advice I can give you is you want to bring aboard a partner who compliments you, not a mirror image of yourself, somebody who brings something to the table that you don't have. Okay. And Scott definitely did that. And also the other thing I would tell you about partners, you better trust them. OK, because uh, if you don't trust your partner, then it's not the right uh, man or woman for you to work with. So anyhow, Scott, check those boxes. We had a friendship first. We bought a property, did real well, about a second, about a third. And as I said earlier, some years I bought I made more money in my part time gig than my day job. And I, I had a had a great career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so really interesting i was i was just speaking at a real estate conference in toronto ontario canada and as the very first thing that uh, i got asked was about raising capital and and i actually flipped around because i said everybody's always asking the question about what i've done or how do you do this how do you do that and i said none of the things that i've done are important it's about who i am I am partnership because I think in this game of real estate, that is so underrated and so misunderstood. You need to build strong partnerships. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You have to be able to trust them. And if you, I, uh, I think it was Warren Buffett that might've said, if, uh, if I couldn't do a deal on a handshake with a person, there's no amount of paperwork that could save me afterwards. And so if if you can't trust someone there, it's probably best to stop right there and, and move along. Can what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you said it so well. I was just thinking while you're talking. There's not a whole heck of a lot I can add to that. That's perfect. <laughs> the only thing I can add to that is possibly uh, if you run a if you're an entrepreneur, and yes. you you need or want a partner. Yes. You may need to be conscious of that and manage that because you don't want to sell yourself on someone who's not right. So the only thing I could really add to what you said, which I think is perfect, is having the um, the personal strength to recognize this person is not right and I need to walk away, even though my heart is ready to do this, that's a smart thing to do. So your heart, your better, your sense of judgment. If if something in your in your in your gut is saying this person is not right or I don't trust this person, walk away. So yeah. I say the same thing for properties too. You're looking at a property you've invested two months. Yeah, you find something. Eh, don't don't sell yourself on this property. 
if it's just not doesn't fit your model or there's something about the property that you're not prepared for as an investor yeah walk away yes yes well there's the old adage the uh the best deal is the one that you never did right the, the right. one that you walked away from how many times have you know you looked at a property and guys if you if you're listening this is an important one how many times do you look at a property and and then something says you know what i'm not even sure exactly what it is i need to walk away from this one and then you end up looking back and going whew glad glad that i walked away from that one right yeah we, yeah we have a great example in our history we found a property and um it was it was a good deal on paper everybody mm -hmm. um and we rehab properties. We get get homes in all degree of disrepair. We fix them up, and then we 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 sell or at least purchase them. Right? Okay. We get these properties after the foreclosure sale, but before they pop up on MLS, typically. All right. Yes. So I'm, we saw a deal once, and the numbers worked, but we got the home inspected. So now we've already invested some money, paid for the inspection, and the inspection um, identified a structural issue. Wait so, a second. Is it difficult to find foreclosures? Well, right now there's not a whole lot, okay. but it's, it's a piece of cake. And okay. I can get into there's three opportunities to buy a foreclosure. I can speak about right. that in a second. But finishing okay. the story is we found yeah, a We'll come back to that. And um, we're like, you know, we're we're home rehabbers. We're not, we didn't have, we didn't think our contractor was capable of, of fixing the structural issue. So we would have to have had to hire somebody we didn't have in our mix of of, of vendors. Okay. Yes. So we recognize at that stage of our development as real estate investors, we were not ready for that property. So despite having invested a few months and looking for it, five hundred bucks for the inspection, we walked away. Yeah. It was the right decision at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and probably save, saved yourself thousands and thousands of dollars in, you know, in yeah. having to go down that road. Absolutely. And it is, I think we're, we can all be caught up in that. Once you've invested a certain amount into whether it be effort, whether it be money, then you just think I might as well keep going when the prudent decision is it's time to call it a day and, and move on. Exactly. And, you know, Neil, it's not easy, uh, mm -hmm. particularly since you find yourself emotionally vested and then putting some time into a property or a deal. Yeah. You know, always best, ladies and gentlemen, cut your losses, walk away. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. there's, there's not even a, a, a if something is telling you it's not right, it's typically not right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was just sharing with um uh, with this lady that she was asking me to to coach her and and we we were talking about you know putting out offers onto properties just learning to get through that process and then she said hey I have an opportunity to to go walk through a couple of properties and she said do you think I should do that and I said you know if that's if you want to do that absolutely go ahead and I just happened to let it slip out I said I actually hate doing walkthroughs and and she was like really why is that and i was like i get really emotionally invested the moment i normally i like to get one of my partners to go do the walkthrough first before i look through any properties because 
the moment I get in, I start thinking, oh, we could do this. There's a creative aspect that just goes wild, a part that I enjoy. And um, and so that's sort of a barrier that I put in for myself. I always have uh, a partner go in ahead of me and, and give some feedback. So uh, just to, to keep back some of those emotions, but it can really, it can absolutely, uh, you can invest yourself emotionally. And then of course, you then end up in investing yourself <laughs> financially. And that's usually, uh, that's usually a bad sign when you're, when you're going in that direction. So let me, let me ask you this, Andy. So now you, you, you're looking, you're getting into foreclosures. How did you even stumble across foreclosures? Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, there's three. And, you, and you're young and you're young too. Right? I was young. I was young. Yeah. Um, so there, there are three opportunities to buy a foreclosure. And yeah. I went to one of these real estate presentations that talked about uh, buying what's called pre foreclosures. So it's in our country, United States, it's a bit different in Canada, but in the United States, um, there's a notification process where a pendant foreclosure has to be publicized as a matter of public record 30 days before the foreclosure. Okay. okay. This is the same in yep. all, all three notice. States. Notice. You have to give yeah. notice that this is coming. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there are investors out there who send bandit letters to these people and say, hey, look, uh, if you got equity, I'm in a position to move fast and buy these properties. And that sounded really great in theory. And then we, we thought we'd do that. We'd get these great deals. We'd flip them so we didn't have to own the property. So uh, you subscribe to this report that lists these properties in a certain area in those 30 days. We sent out these letters. So what the Was guy it a free state, report? Was it a no, free it report? Says, uh, the information is there for free, actually, right. in county newspapers. Right. But they charge like a... a, 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 a peanuts just to collect the collect the okay. data okay so uh what these guys don't, don't tell you on stage neil is that it's emotionally challenging to visit these families in a downward spiral whose lives are falling apart and when i, when I get on stage i say okay there, if there's if there's 200 of you maybe three or four of you have the makeup to do this so i went ahead and tried this and I'm not a I'm not a wimpy guy. I walk out, I started bawling, visiting his family. Um, I call up my real estate partner. Said, I can't do this. This sucks. So I'll, I'll fast forward the story. So, um, but the, the data on uh, in these reports had all the details, information, bank, uh, the type of loan, the for, foreclosing bank, the type of loan, the amount of the loan. Um, so there's a second property after I visited this one. I spoke to the lady who is just a sad story. She's getting divorced and it sounded like she had about 15% equity in the property. And I looked at the name of the bank. It was a, a small local bank. And I just assumed sometimes when you're young, dumb and stupid, you don't realize something's supposed to be hard. All right. So I looked at the name of the bank. It was a small bank. And I figured, okay, if there's 15% equity, nobody's going to buy it on the courthouse steps, which is a, your second chance to buy a foreclosure. All right, pre foreclosure, then on the courthouse steps. So it'll probably be bought by the bank. So when you buy a foreclosure, everybody, there's always a buyer. Okay, there's always a transaction on the courthouse steps, but typically the buyer is actually the, the foreclosing lender. Yes. Okay, uh, yeah. little known factoid there. 
So I was completely correct that it wasn't a, enough equity to attract an investor in the courthouse steps, but there was some equity. So the bank might be in a position to um, say, okay, get this property off my book. I'll give you an additional 10% come, and now I won't be paying a real estate agent. So there's that gives me about 25%, all right? So I picked up the phone just after the sale. I called the bank quickly. So I knew if I called right after the sale, they're not going to nominate an agent or doing anything like that. I spoke to the the the, foreclose, the the REO manager, real estate owned manager. He said, okay, I got a hidden key out there. I went, saw the property, made an offer. A week later, we had our first property. All right. So I'll finish the story. It gets even better. So the yes. deal I cut with my partner, Scott, yeah. was I would move in there with a buddy. Okay. And so that way that would cover our mortgage payment. It yes. would be our primary resident while we marketed the home. I'm yes. a young single guy. It's way out in suburbia in Atlanta, 45 okay. minutes from anything remotely fun to do. I figured, okay, I'll be yes. here for one or two months. Big deal. I gave my friend cheap rent. So, so that was the deal. Yeah. Nine months later, we're still in this house. It's like, I don't get it. You know, we wah, wah, wah. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so my real estate partner heard about this thing called a lease purchase. Yes. And but a lot of the the, the structure and a lease purchase, kind of like a rent to own, like a rent to own. Yeah, it's a lot of the investors who do this. They're looking to really kind of uh, um, rip people off. OK, because mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, North Americans are credit poor, but they're not cash poor. They got some money, but they need time to fix their credit. So yes. these investors, their whole plan yeah. is to keep their money, not sell the home. Yeah. And then kick them out one day. So me and my partner, we kind of turned this inside out. We said, why don't we give, why don't we not try to screw people? Sorry, I hope I can say that. We, yeah. we offer a fair program for them. Our theory was this would attract a higher caliber tenant, which would make it easier to, 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 to rent, be more profitable, but in the long run. So yeah. this home, Neil, that we could not flip for nine months, I was out of it in three weeks. Wow. So yes. from that point forward, we continue to subscribe to these lists, but not with the intention of contacting the families before the foreclosure, but with the specific intention of contacting the banks right after. And we marketed these properties, not for sale, but for sale or lease option. So we did flip homes, but the, unlike a buy and flip investor, we didn't put ourselves in a position where we have to flip. Okay. Right. So one right. of the, the, the I, I'm convinced to this day, one of the reasons why Fortune Magazine saw our book and wanted to interview us, the biggest flaw, in my opinion, with a lot of investment models is the investor's profit is tied to an outcome that cannot be guaranteed. An example, the buy and flip investor, he or she makes money if they're able to find a buyer quickly um, and, and if they're not, they got to keep lowering their price, which lowers their margin. The buy and hold yes. investor, A, it's a lot of work. <laughs> their profit is based on finding somebody who wants to stay in the home, continue to renew, and they're not going to leave you with a time bomb and they don't, they don't move out every one or two years. Okay. Right. So we felt 
both you can't depend on that outcome. One way to approach real estate is here you're, you're you're buying a property and you haven't met your customer yet. So how do you align the property with a customer you don't you haven't met? So okay. we market the properties for sale or lease option. We yes. flip plenty of properties, but we don't have to flip. And when we can flip it, we roll it into a lease option. We give a tenant a very fair deal. So they're incentivized to take care of the property. And enough of them buy it down the road that we get cash windfalls. We just have to be patient and wait. So yes. it's a very, very conservative strategy. Yes. Um, and that's one of the things I teach when I, when I teach. I said, I, I'm not a risk taker. Okay. Yes. I, I'm an entrepreneur. I, yeah. I, I've started businesses. Yes. I guess there, there's an element of risk there, but you can certainly be conservative and an entrepreneur at the same time by just choosing, choosing paths, choosing investments that kind of have backups. <laughs> so that's what we do with the real estate is, and, and, um, and <clears throat> we've done hundreds of properties. We might've lost money on one or two. So that's a really good track record. Well, I, I love what you're saying, especially about the appetite for risk, because by the by most banks standards, I'm considered highly risky. Right. Yes. Mo most of us are when and when in reality, I'm ultra conservative. <laughs> I'm ultra uh, risk averse, which mm -hmm. is why I like actually knowing an area and being comfortable in it, knowing the ups and downs, the ins and outs. And so I, I completely resonate with you. You know, I've got kids. I'm thinking we, we can't, I'm not looking for the upheavals of the markets and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm looking for something that we can count on. So let me, let me just try and understand a, a little piece here. So you, you find out about the foreclosures year and now you're thinking, okay, let's, let's get this. How much it, and you find out about the banks, how much do you have to have? And I'm sure it, it, maybe it's a little bit different from state to state and, you know, between, between you guys and here in Canada, but do you, when, when you buy a property on the courthouse steps, do you have to have the money right there and then to be able to, to close on it, how does that process work? Okay, so before I answer your question, I'm going to tell you, tell yeah. you I'm also Canadian, and I've taught oh. in Canada. Yeah, I'm born oh, in Toronto. I'm born in Toronto, okay. uh, and I, I was just there for a family wedding earlier this month. So, oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, so the courthouse steps is a different animal. Yes. On the courthouse steps, most states require cash on the spot or cash within 24 hours, yep. and that need for cash eliminates a lot of investors. Mm -hmm. The other thing, one of the reasons why I'm so successful as an educator teaching others this method is that there may be no way to invest that's more misunderstood than buying from banks. There's a misconception. Well, I'm buying from banks. I need to have a lot of cash and that's mm -hmm. going to eliminate me. That's completely wrong. The bank doesn't care, Neil, if you've got $700,000 and you're, you're buying a property from a bank after foreclosure, yeah. all cash, or I'm coming along and my offer is based on a note or loan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't matter. Now, if I offer 700,000 based on a loan closing in 30 days, you come with $700,000 cash. I'm not going to make, I'm not going to be successful. But if I okay. offer 710, 
yeah, the bank might wait 30 days for that. So right. having cash in any part of business, guys, will help you. But it's not necessary as a real estate investor. Real estate is all about leverage. I'll give you yes. a great example. So our first handful of homes, we always bought the property contingent upon a loan. Okay. So we, yep. got, and we got our loans. But the loans allowed us to, to come up with a, a portion of the funds, small portion, not all the funds to full value. All right? Yeah. We were, we were responsible enough that as we had success, we parked the money from our real estate success and we yes. allowed it to grow. Yes. Once we had enough cash for one, only one property, not dozens, but one, we utilize a loan product that still exists today. It's called the cash out refi. So we okay. buy a property with that one that amount of cash. It's just enough for one. Yes. All right. We'd fix it up, put it on the market for sale or lease option. If we flipped it, fantastic. We took our profit. Yeah. We took our, our wives or girlfriends out for dinner. All right. But we put the profit back in. And guess what? We didn't even spend any money on a loan that was only needed for one or two months. Yes. Now, if we didn't flip it, we fix it up, we put it on a, a lease option. Then we bring a, a, a lender who appraises the property. Yes. And we pull out 85% of the value and put it right back in the fund. And guess what? Sometimes we're putting that cash money. Uh, we're putting more cash in because we bought the home at a discount and the 85% is actually more money than we had in the fund before. Yes. Now, so yes. my point here, ladies and gentlemen, is this, you know, in, in Canada, as I know, uh, uh, we have a very liberal society. People recycle. We don't do it as much in the States. Recycling, you can also recycle money. This is the, this is the best recycling program you'll ever hear about. Because we turn oh, come on. let's hear this one. We we turn the cash for one property into dozens, Neil. Mm -hmm. Dozens. So this addresses a really big misconception for investors who are just starting out. Well, if I want to acquire a portfolio of homes, I need a bunch of no, you don't need a bunch of money. You just need to be smart about how you leverage the money that you have. And okay, some students also use a method called raising private money. So they don't even get a, a qualify for a loan. They, some I have students who don't have good credit. A lot of our students use what's called private money. So they yes. raise capital from individuals, yes. sometimes family, yes. and that's their means to start. Okay. The beautiful thing about real estate is you got about eight or nine different uh, finance and strategies, and all of you investors will need to select the one or two that fit you. Okay. Yes. And one of the most common questions I get asked is, Andy, why are you not a full-time investor? Well, the, the reason is financing. Because uh, in real estate, one of my jokes I make on stage is you can be a real estate investor, but your income can't be from real estate. That's per the banks. So in typically in the United States, uh, in most lending climates, the bank will discount 30% of your profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now they don't understand our whole lease purchase thing. They don't know. Yes. They don't care that it's yeah. especially they don't want lucrative. To they don't want to know. 
All right. Yeah. So this is why we we continue to use the stability of our day jobs to get to qualify for reasonable yeah. uh, 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 loans. They were yeah. symbiotic. And then when I started different companies, I was able to use the success I had as a real estate investor as the capital I needed to start other other businesses. So the real estate really, in my perspective, it works very well with a typical entrepreneur to support businesses that he or she might be starting privately. Um, and that's why if you get started, if you're young, you're getting started on real estate at a young age. It's fantastic, guys. It, it can be a real foundation for anything that you guys do. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I, I think the one question that I probably get asked the most is, and and I'd love to hear what you say about this is, well, I don't, I don't have anybody in my family or friends that wants to, that can help me with, with private capital. How, how do I, and, and my credit, you know, my credit's not great. So then what do I do? How do I, how do I raise capital? Okay. That's a great question. Um, I, I, I would answer your question with two suggestions. First yeah. is fix that credit. Yes. All right. And that process can be just 12 to 24 months. All right. Um, if you intend to invest, if you intend to run a business, your credit's important, guys. All right. So fix it. And you do that. And that would be my advice I would give you no matter what. Yeah. Credit is important to all the different doors you're going to look to walk through in your life. Okay. Now you got an old man talking to and giving advice. Um if you well, wait, are wait, I think that's I think that's important advice because for people that are listening, you know, if that sounds difficult or too too onerous or something, where you're saying 12 to 24 months to repair your credit, any piece of real estate that you're going to buy, you're I mean, unless you sell it right away, you're you're probably gonna be holding on to for at a minimum, five years. Yes. So there's something, guys, if you're listening, something to hear there that if you think that uh, setting yourself up in a 12 to 24 month period so that you can be able to execute for years down the road, I, I think you need to realize that that might be short term thinking. And and I really love what you're what you're projecting here, Andy, because it takes something to if you're not in that position to start, it takes something to to really prepare yourself and get yourself rolling so that you're you're ready to build, you know, yeah. far into the future. Okay, yeah. And I'll, I'll add one more thing there. It's, it's yeah. really easy, guys. Um, if, and if you're not sure where to start, most communities have free credit counsel you can get yeah. in, within the city. Um, and they can lay out for you and map out, okay, um, Mr. Jones, Mrs. Smith, this is what you want to do first. This is going to have the biggest effect and work from here down, down forward. Um, mm -hmm. But I would look at it like for, for as long as you have don't have good credit, it's almost like you're going out in the business world and you've got a 15-pound a ball and chain tied to your ankle. Get rid of that ball and chain because mm -hmm. you're going to need it. And the longer you delay it, the more expensive everything else you do is going to be. So, yeah. but if you are, if you're headstrong to start right now and you have bad credit 
and you can't get any funds from family or friends, first I'd say that's a small portion of, of you out there, but there's still a path, okay? When you say raven, raise in private capital, okay, there are programs out there, Neil, that teach uh, investors how to go to people that they don't know, mm-hmm. project uh, a, a solid business plan, and get them to uh, to invest and provide capital and to also to structure in a way that's con- uh, 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 consistent with, with the, the Federal Trade Commission, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't teach that. Some of my okay. other... Uh, friends in the in the business teach those programs, but I will also come back and say that's probably a very very small group of your listeners. Be, uh, don't have good credit, don't intend to fix the good credit on the short term, want to invest now, and yeah. can't go into their immediate circle. So, right. if you're if you're in that small bucket, there are there's a course that you guys can get. Um, uh, I, I can give you some names of some people that I trust that have those courses, but but again, fix the credit yeah. and all those things go away. Well, let, let me just quickly ask you because I'm I'm sure people are now, guys. Don't go look at this right now, but where can people get your information if they want to learn more about your course? Sure, your course? Um, uh, my business is called Regular Riches because other than being vertically challenged, my real estate partner and I are just a couple of regular guys. So just go to regularriches.com and our products and information about me uh, is there. And I typically teach um, around the country. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a bit older now, so I'm actually t- a t- trading a younger person. I, I still teach. Um, I have a, other successful businesses. I teach um, four or five times a year, really, Neil, because I enjoy it. And I also yes. believe that right now, is a particularly interesting and good up good time for new investors to start looking into real estate. I don't think we're at that point right now where is what I would call a peak buying opportunity, but yes. it's on the horizon. So this yes. is the time right now to fix the credit, to get get a strategy or two that you want to emulate. Um, and that's my message when I've been teaching the last six or 12 months. It's Today to me feels a lot like... Uh, 07, you knew a change was coming on the horizon, but we're not there yet. Okay. So, and I don't know if it's going to look like it did in 08, where it was a sudden um, massive implosion of the global economy in August of 2008. It might be slower. Um, But I do believe that we are heading into a real estate reset. Yes. Well, it's funny that you mentioned because 2007, I bought my my first income property and and I I didn't have any mentors. I was just reading as many books as I could, tried to buy my first property. And I didn't I didn't really know anything about how to look at the economy and those kind of pieces. And so 2007 <clears throat> bought it and and everyone knows about 2008, but what they don't know was stuff was already happening in 2007 like I had a I had a mortgage lender that disappeared while I was in the middle of um, of fixing, renovating the property, and uh, and I remember my my uh, mortgage professional at the time said, uh, "We're going to have to find somebody else because those guys are gone." And yep. I was like, "What do you mean they're gone?" He's like, "They're gone." I was like, "Okay, let let's just move on. Let's just keep going on." And and then of course, two thousand and eight happened, and 
Okay, not for what happened to everybody, but I loved it because it was a great learning opportunity. And for me, one of the best because of my the age I was at the time and actually being involved. So, so now fast forward, I would, I would agree with you very much to where we are right now. It's, it's unlikely that it's going to look like what it did in 2008. Yep. But it, you're really getting that sense that, Hey guys, things are moving off things that should be moving in certain directions are, you know, and you can start pointing to some of the different things that are happening. And one of the things that, and maybe you can speak about this when it comes to real estate investing, when everybody starts turning around and saying, I don't know what I should do. And they're not sure. Usually that's a sign to me that it's probably a good time to start, start moving along because if everyone else is stopped and looking around, that's when you want to get moving. Yeah, I, I, I can actually speak to that as a real estate educator. I started teaching, yes. the book launched um, in 2003, I think it was, and I started teaching uh, in 06. So by that time, three years later, we got a kit together, which we've since added added content to. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm very proud that of our kit. It, it's very comprehensive. Uh, and so I started teaching in 06. Yeah. And it, it's amazing, Neil, that I've now been teaching almost 20 years. Yes. The crowds in the rooms are packed when real estate is on a massive appreciation and there's not really a lot of deals out there, but people view, view real estate like a stock and they're buying these courses to invest, blah, 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 blah. But when the opportunity is best, like for example, after the reset in 2010 and 2011, the rooms are half empty. Yes. And so one of the messages I've been taking the, the, the last six months, I've done, I think three or four of my, my annual workshops. I go to a city and they, the, I speak to a, a real estate investor, investor in club to two, 300 people. We do, we have a workshop I said, this is the time guys it, for, forget what's the, what's available right now in terms of foreclosures or this or that. Um, when, when, when you look as an investor, uh, so now that I'm older, I've been I've been investing since 1990. I've seen three down cycles. All right. Now you can smell it when you when you're older and you've seen it and you've lived through it. So it's coming. And it's like you said earlier, I don't know the texture of it. I don't know if it's going to resemble 08 with a sudden yes. global change. Yes. I, I think in the absence of a a global event that we haven't seen yet. We could be facing 11 or 12 percent per year for three or four years. Boom, that's almost 40 to 50 percent. Okay, who knows? I don't know that, but I know I do know it's coming. And what the message I take to students is that forget, forget right now, because what we are seeing right now in real estate, there's always a leading indicator. Okay, corrections don't just happen. Like your example, no seven was brilliant. There are signs. The number one sign that a correction is coming is when homeowners get behind in their mortgages. In the last 12 months, there's been a, a, a massive statistical increase. And those that is the first sign that in the future, near term, 
near future, you will see a spike in foreclosures. So we're already seeing these early signs. So my message to all investors, whether you are already an active investor or you're tossing it around and something you want to do, this is the time right now to get your financing lined up, to pick one or two investment models, which you're going to implement and emulate. Don't just say, I'm going to invest. What's your plan? What's your plan? I, have a I teach a very specific model. It's very conservative. It's lucrative. It's great. And I'll say to somebody on stage, okay, sure, I want you to become one of my students. But if you don't become one of my students, pick something specific, master it, and that make that your plan. Okay? Yes. Don't be a jack of all trades. You've yes. got to have a plan. All right? Yes. Have a model, at most two models. All right? If you look yes. at our, we are probably among the most boring investors you'll ever have because um, everything we've done, except for maybe one property, has fit the same model. Right. And, and we're, so we just, we repeat it over and over again. That way we don't have learning curve mistakes. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. And that's, that's advice I would give anybody in business in any field. Yeah. Get good at something, master it, and do it over and over again. Yeah. Hey, I think the only thing that I would add to that in, in my experience of watching people trying to come into this this industry, trying to come, and, and this can go in a lot of different areas, not just real estate, is that people don't allow themselves enough runway for their plane to take off. They don't allow themselves enough runway to become an expert in one area of an area, much less much less in that whole area. I know? love the way you and, said that. That's that's completely accurate. Right? You, you get they're they're barreling down the runway and then they haven't seen the result, and so they oh maybe this plane can't fly and they shut down the engines. When in reality, you actually get up at the very end of the runways when that plane takes off. You, yeah. You know what so I mean? the, I, the good I, news is we're recording yeah. this webinar today. We're yes. really not yet at that point where there's a peak opportunity. So right. all your guests, if they want to invest in real estate and they see the same thing, Neil, you yeah. all have time. Yes. You have time to set up that appropriate runway. Yes. All right. Now, if we're, it's kind of like if when I was teaching in 2010, my message was get off your butts. The time is right now. All right. 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 My, my message today is get a model or two. Yes. Get prepared because the opportunity is coming. So yes. the beauty about right now is you're not, let me put, let me put it in different words. You're as an investor, you're if investing in real estate. You're not going to be in a reactive mode to what's happening right now. You can be in a proactive mode. You can establish that runway that Neil's talking about. So you can really be ready when the opportunity, that peak opportunity arises and it's going to come, and but yeah. I don't believe anybody's qualified to say six months, 12 months, 24. I don't know. I don't know, but it's coming. Yes. Yes, I agree. So, okay, we've covered a lot. And guys, if you've, if you've had difficulty following all of this, feel free to go back, watch it again. Make sure you take some notes. Um, you know, go check out Andy. Go check out his website and uh, learn some more. Now, now, what are you, Andy, you know, just we're getting ready to close here. What are you excited about 
moving forward. I mean, other than this opportunity that we're <laughs> that's coming up, uh, what what are you excited about? You know, in terms of this next year and and moving forward for your business. For me personally, um, yeah. I, I'm in a wonderful situation. One of my businesses, I I sold it, and um, yeah. I'm working with the uh, the buyer. Just a wonderful company. And my 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 other industry is um, international tr- freight forwarding logistics. Um, the number one thing I'm excited for, though, is um, you know when these other real estate down cycles have occurred. The, the honest truth is I've just been too young to recognize the opportunity as it was developing. Right. What's different right. about this next year, Neil, is I'm not that young any longer, but I am young enough still to ride up one more down cycle. So I've spoken to my wife and we have, we are ready. We have funds. I've got my real estate network. I've got my strategy. Yeah. So What's exciting is when I've been teaching the last year, I've been saying, able to say to, to everybody, I'm practicing what I'm preaching here. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is the time to get ready. All of us in this room are still young enough to ride up one more down cycle. And it's almost like what you're, you asked me what I'm excited about. When I'm on stage, what I, one of the things I say to people, picture that the year is 2007. And you're all investors and somebody comes from the future and says to you, Neil, I'm from the year 2009. This is what's going to happen next year. And if you do A, B, C, and D, once this happens, yeah. you're going to have a, a two or three year window to buy property at a generational discount and set yourself and your family up for life. 100% of the people who had this visitor from the future would do that. So what I'm excited about today, I, I feel it's almost like 2007, where we know what's going to happen. And because I've been doing this for 33 years, yes. I, I see the signs. I understand what um, increases in mortgage delinquencies mean. I understand what that's going to lead to. I see the the, the global, ma- the macro things that are happening around the globe that are unhealthy. I see the debt that countries have that is going to come crashing down. So the sad thing about being an investor, everybody, is sometimes what's bad for the country, what's bad for our neighbors and family is good for investors. Okay, so we have to look at it, be sensitive and help out people when you can. But as a pure investor, recognize that you're 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 we are heading into what could be a generational opportunity. And I absolutely believe it so that's what i'm excited about yeah. and again yeah. it may not be in the next 12 months neil it might be 24 but it's coming yes yes i i agree with you there just to uh get a little bit uh, testy um since since you brought up a couple of things there um you know we we've got a a war going on in ukraine uh you guys have got uh a war going on between potentially Joe Biden and Donald Trump. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it seems like, it seems like some very interesting and turbulent times when you, when you get caught up in that. Do you have any thoughts on, on either of those two topics? Just to, just to totally go against the grain. 
Well, one of the first thing I'll tell you is I just got my Canadian passport again because I'm worried about the exact same things that you are. Yeah. Um, well, but what I would say to that is there's a lot of questions in the globe right now. A lot of things, unless you got your blinders on, I don't care what side of the political spectrum you land, it's good for society to have stability. Yes. And all these things right now that we see are toxic and unstable. I'm a I'm a big believer in compromise. I always think um, it, it, it's healthier for these two sides to listen to one another and meet somewhere in the middle. Unfortunately, I believe I'm in a minority. Um, so there is a potential uh, for things to get very, very nasty and ugly. But life continues, everybody. My wife, I've remarried... Um, and my wife is Filipina and we talk about having escape pods to go to. And, you know, we men sometimes can learn from our wise uh, partners. And one of the things she said, Andy, I'm not worried about it. I grew up under martial law and I raised my kids and, you know, we still had life. If you're going to choose an investment in a situation that is with is turbulent, probably the most stable and conservative investment is residential real estate because people will always need a place to live. Whether you are living in a democracy, an autocratic regime, or an unstable regime, yes. people need a safe roof over their heads to raise their family. So this is why I prefer residential opposed to commercial because you can eliminate the, the need for a, a, a physical business for a state farm office or or yeah. or certain office um but you can't eliminate a need for a primary residence and during yeah. tough times the family that's in a six bedroom four bathroom mcmansion maybe they come down to a three bedroom two bath the yes. company the family that's in a a a, a four two goes into an apartment but they always need a primary residence yeah. which i think so that's my take there i am absolutely concerned about those things does it, is it stopping me as an investor? No, but I'm having an eye open towards it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that even, even if for those that are worried about AI and, you know, what's going to happen, we, we're, gonna, we're all going to be plugged in and working from our home. Exactly. You're still going to need a place yep. for, for you to live. So I, I agree with you completely. I, I really appreciate that. And I even appreciate the reality of investing, even if all of these things are happening, even yeah. while those things are going on, because what the biggest mistake I think that I see in, in this world of investing is people standing around and watching, waiting for something to happen, because then oh, I don't want to get the timing, you know, and, 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 and they just end up sitting around and then they look back and go, I wish I had. Yeah. I, you know, I'm gonna put that I bought in. one property in 2007. I wish I had bought 15 yeah. in 2007, right? But at yeah. least I bought one, right? I, and, I love it. The, the, what I say on stage, to your point, is don't be yeah. a spectator. Be a participant. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, and and wow. the one thing I'd say is um, uh, the we entrepreneurs can come from very different um, makeups and wiring, but the one thing we all have in common, we accept the fact we are taking a risk. We're moving from a safety net to something unsafe. It doesn't mean it has to be irresponsible. 
Yeah. It can be well thought out. It can be conservative. But all of us are, we tend to be more inclined to take an action, which is great. And when it comes to real estate, um, I really believe everybody that we are headed into a generational opportunity. Yes. Um, and whether you're looking at real estate as being a supplement or a significant component of how you're going to build your net worth. I mean, you're being handed a future opportunity that you may never see again. So just yeah. get ready. Yeah. Time to get ready, guys. Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing that uh, with us. Uh, we didn't we didn't get into a whole lot with regards to uh, you know some of the challenges you had on the family side, but I really appreciated you bringing that in. And uh, again, guys, go check out uh, Andy's his website will be in the show notes. Uh, if you want to see him some more, you want to hear from him some more, uh, go take one of his courses, get the kit, learn more, get yourself ready. Um, because generational opportunities, as he said, are right around the corner. So, Andy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Neil, I've, I've loved the chat, and um, uh, I, I hope your audience uh, listens and, and takes action. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Yes. All right, guys, for your host, Neil D'Souza, and our guest today, Andy, and this Leadership to Wealth podcast, we'll see you guys again next week. 